Welcome to Controversial Conversations. I am Kelly Cavallero. And I'm John Robinson, also known as Mr. Showcase. And we are back for another episode. Um, huge thank you to everyone who's given us tons of feedback. Um, we love it. We love getting the all the feedback of when everyone listens. And a huge shout out for the people lately who've been giving us ideas for more podcasts and some themes, even though John bribes them with drinks. <laughs> well, <laughs> so whatever this, it takes. This episode is going to be about actually one of those. This was given to us by someone um, that listed a couple ideas. And I personally like this one because I can go about 19 different directions with this. And this is how do we get the next generation involved in line dance? Um <laughs> The quick answer, pray. Because <laughs> unfortunately, every situation is going to be different. Every every state is going to be different. Every city alone is going to be different. The biggest, there's problems that are going to arise. The biggest one I feel is we no longer have the same places that were 10, 15, 20 years ago. Most country bars back then were also restaurants. So, yeah, it made it easy to bring your family. You come, have dinner, you stayed for everything. I'll jump in really quick there that, since you've said that, Kelly. The bar that I started at was called the Grizzly Rose in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And Sunday we had family day. Um, in Wisconsin, I don't know if this is true in other states because I don't know all the laws, but in Wisconsin you can bring your kids in to a bar with you, at least back then, if they were with an adult. You so still can. You can still do that. That's. Okay. It's not. It's not a public published post anywhere. It's not a published rule. Um. But yeah, you yeah. can technically still do it unless it's posted that the facility is only twenty one and up. Right. So we had family night was Sunday, and then we had still had lesson. You know, it's the same program we always did, but we had. Um, lessons where we would probably do something a little easier so the kids could join in and honestly that's how we got a lot of, a lot of those younger kids who came in when they were like 13 14 15 ended up dancing with us when they became you know in their 20s and they even joined uh, our dance team that we had so just wanted to throw that out there yeah down in down in south florida down in Davie, the roundup ran by john Lindsay. huge shout out to uh dj Lindsay there great friend i've known from Close to 20 years, Sundays are family night. What helps with that, though, is they serve food. But so it's very easy. Bribe them with food. Well, but it makes it easy to bring your family. You know, it it always would make it. It's an incentive. Right, because they can all have sit down and have dinner. So if if the mom or the dad want to get up and be there to do the dancing, they the kids have something to do. They, when they when they gave us this topic, they also put in there like starting up line dance clubs at colleges and stuff. That one's hard because that one costs money. Getting stuff done on a college campus is not just the cut and dry cookie cutter because one, the college has to approve it. That's not always thing easiest. If they're going to bring in an instructor, the insurance ma- matters on top of it. And before anybody out there listening to this tries to get into the, oh, well, every line dancer should have insurance, that's a whole different episode, and y'all will be get embarrassed by some of the things you think you know, but you actually don't. It's right up there with the music rules and the music laws. Just, we won't even, we won't even touch on that. We'll just simply say the colleges need to have, <laughs> have insurance because it's on the college campus. 
But like I know like the barn in Sanford, they'll do a college. They do, they have a college night on Thursdays, but they also bring in the UCF uh, University of Central Florida will rent out on Wednesdays when it is not open and do different events at the club where they'll have the DJ line dance lessons and stuff like that. But getting kids to stick around, that's not the easiest. It's not like we don't have it as luxury luxurious as the people overseas do. I at least in my opinion, you know, every time I go over to the UK seeing think, all those kids dance that's amazing right. i love I it i think part of that is a matter of the venues so what we tend to think of over here is bars country bars which they don't they don't have over there no so their venues are more i'm, I'm i don't know how to say this right but more friendly or more um um kids it's it's more kid friendly like the kids can go whereas Correct. you know kids don't really usually go to bars um over here in the states uh, and I'm going to bounce around all this because I've got a lot of thought. You know how I am. My thoughts come through my head. i got to say I'm going to forget them. So one of the things I wanted to mention when we first started talking about this, uh, Kelly, is that I think it's important, relating to the bar aspect, that you have an instructor, and I'm not trying to be rude. You know how this goes on this show. <laughs> I just have to say it. I think it's important that the instructor is of an age that those kids can relate to. So if you've got younger people, teenagers, whatever the drinking age is in whatever state you're in, and they're coming to a club, it's going to be helpful if the the instructor is similar to their age because they're going to be able to relate. And what I mean right. by that is when I started dancing and teaching, I was in my 20s, and all the young people wanted to run out to the floor to take my lessons because I'm a similar age as there. Or even if you're not the same age, the same energy level helps. Right. Correct. So I'm not trying to say you can't be old and teach – at a bar, but what I'm saying is the kids are going to relate better to somebody closer to their age. That's just that's just human nature. Um, and sometimes when I go to a club and I see a, a lot, especially down here in Florida, and I'm not sure if this is true in the rest of the nation, but down here in Florida, sometimes the instructors are are really old. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> not a, that doesn't mean they're a bad instructor or anything, but maybe have like an assistant with you who can work the room, you know what I mean, you, that the ki- the younger people can relate to. It's you, just a thought. No, you, I, I, I have two theories on that. Um, one, I think it's because the most of the older people already have a fixed income, so they'll take the job for less money than what the younger people who want to make a little bit more for their time and effort. I, that's just my opinion. Uh, if you look across – and. The second one is I think people are afraid of change. I think people are hugely afraid of change. And they're willing, they're scared that if they change their instructor to someone that's a little bit more appealing and just not go with the same third person that's been there for year and year and year and year, that they'll lose the people. What they don't realize is you're in a bar. This is not a dance studio. Right. The number one goal for those bar owners is what? To sell alcohol. Yep. Exactly. Not to sell dance lessons, to yep. sell alcohol. I'll I'll use the example, and I won't name the bar, but they, if you walk up and see a big crowd getting a lesson, suck you're on stage through the window, and then you get to the front door and you walk in and the, the room's empty, it's a little trickery. You're enticing everybody with this, this room, but they're not on the big dance floor. You need to be, you, you, you need to promote it. And I feel that I feel that a lot of bars are afraid. It's a it's an investment. You're not going to get people to 
this is a lot like not just the bar world. This is the line dance world and event world. Keep getting people to want to do it for free is not the right thing to do. Why? Because some, you know, you need to get paid for your work. It is work. Contrary to what everyone thinks, line dances is supposed to be fun, and I grant for a lot of it's a hobby. But contrary to what a lot of people believe, it is a job for some. Being in this industry is a J-O-B. It's okay to say that word. It is. I promise you guys, it's not going to change your love for the dance. I I promise. you You can admit that people should get paid for their time. You know, the DJ's getting paid. The bartenders are getting paid. They're getting paid to serve you the alcohol. Your instructor should get paid. Plain and simple. And don't you think that part of that job is knowing how to appeal to your crowd, your audience? So... Yes. Um, one of the things that, that again popped through my head is if you're teaching, especially if you're teaching at a bar or a club, which is, with, uh, let's be honest, that tends to be where most of the younger people go. Yes. Most, of, most young people aren't going to go to a senior center to take line dance lessons. That's just not going to happen. Um, it's not saying it won't happen, but they're going to go where they want to hang out with their friends who are of their age group. Um, so if you're teaching in that situation, whatever you bring has to be appealing to that crowd. And I've taught at bars forever. I mean, I'm now 55. If you didn't know that, I'm really old. But I still teach at clubs. And I get invited to, I get invited by bar owners and bar managers to come teach because I can still entertain the people of that age. Um, you have to know, like, what's the energy level? What do they want to learn? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off on a tangent here for a little bit and talk about that because you have people like Brandon Zahorsky who teaches at – um, what is it? Billy Joe's. Billy, Billy Joe's Ridge Works up yep. in, in New York. And he has a, a huge younger crowd, right? But he knows what type of material they're going to like. He tries to bring them dances that are short and fun and punchy and energetic. And it's to music that's like popular, that like kids want to listen. People of that age, I, should, I don't want to keep saying kids, but you know, I'm old, so everybody younger than me is a kid. <laughs> but he's going to bring them stuff that they want to listen to, what they want to hear, right? Um, you have. Somebody like Mark Paulino, who choreographed like a dance called Rude Dude. And the younger crowd at bars are eating that up. That's like their thing. They let, I can't do it. I can't squat down to the ground with my bun almost touching the floor. But I remember back in the day when we did Watermelon Crawl and the whole, you know, drop to the floor, crawl across on your knees. The young kids would do that all the time because they love that sort of And they still do it now, right? So knowing what the younger, younger generation wants to learn and bringing that to them, I think, is also an important factor. But, so let me ask you this question, and this is where it's going to get a little tricky. Do you appeal to the younger crowd to fill the floor? Or do you appeal to the old people who are the ones paying you, to, yeah, yeah, paying yeah. for everything to be there? Right. And that's the yes. there's your hard it's mix. A, it's a the yeah. bar owner wants to bring in money and fill the floor. Well, unfortunately, the people who spend money are the older generation because they have the money to spend. the the The, the younger generation comes on the cheapest nights to get in. Or f- when it's free to get in, and don't come till late when it's free to get in. Yeah, I'll use yeah, the yeah. barn. I'll use the barn in Sanford here as an example. To come to line dance lessons, which start the bar opens at seven. Lessons usually start between seven and seven fifteen. It's eight dollars. They have lessons Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. And from seven to nine o'clock, it's eight dollars to get in. They have two lessons: one in the front room, one in the back room. At nine o'clock, the price changes. It either gets cheaper, free, depending on the night. So. When do you think your college kids are going to come? Right. They're broke. Most of them are broke. Right. And because they, they're in college. Because they're right. Because they're in college. <laughs> so they come in later. So they're not coming for the line dance lessons. Right. So they have no enticement to come earlier. Guess what, guys? And I will. You, 
most kids think they can pick stuff up on the floor. So they're not they're not going to say, oh, I don't have to come to lessons. I can, I can get in late. The other thing is, what college kid you know that wants to go out for a night on the town at 7 p.m. at night? Mm, good point. None. Yeah. Roundup Davy does this great thing, and I loved it when I saw it the first time. They have their normal lessons, and what they do, and it works for them, and I, I, I haven't seen it in many bars since, and I would love it. I would love to see it. They actually have two people running the floor. They have a DJ and they have an MC, and those two people are not the same person. So you have someone walking around with a microphone, chit chatting on the floor, microphone in his back pocket, talking to people. Messaging with with the DJ, DJ's letting them know what's coming up. They're announcing it on as it's coming up the next song, randomly like at eleven eleven thirty at night, right before midnight. They uh, they teach another lesson, some stupid easy thirty two count basic dance. Good idea. They had this guy that you'd been there for years who ran their dance team named Kenny. Guy was uh, hands down one of the most amazing men I've ever heard on a microphone, especially in a bar atmosphere. He knew how to talk to people. He knew how to work the crowd. He knew how to teach. He knew, And what kicked it off? He also knew how to dance. This is the kicker. Put Let people do the job that they know how to do. Don't put someone in there just because you think they're going to look good at stage and attract someone walking in the door. I hate people who just put this person up on the stage because they're young. They don't wear any clothing just because they mm-hmm. think it's going to cause people to walk into the door. Right. That's not always the case. They need to know how to dance. They need to know that's how to dance. They need to know how other, to teach. That's they, a whole additional. That's a whole additional episode. Topic. I've got a but lot to say about that, that. But that it helps. <laughs> you can't a, yeah. for a younger generation, like you said earlier. Yes, we have a lot of older instructors here in Florida. Is that always going to entice the younger crowd? No, because it's it's not like it was thirty right. years ago when right. that was only people who did line dancing. Yeah, and actually, when where I started dancing, the instructors were probably in their fifties. Um, you know, when you're a kid, you, when you're young, I was in my 20s. So I'm like, oh, they're really old. But they were probably close to my age, uh, around that same age. And um, we all had a great time. We enjoyed it. But my point is, when I started teaching, you know, I've said this in one of the previous podcasts, I think, my dance partner, I ended up taking over all the nights eventually, mm-hmm. right? Because we learned to appeal to everybody, the younger people, the older people. They And no offense to them, but they taught the same things over and over, and they very rarely brought anything super energetic. Um, and I swear I talked about this in one of the previous podcasts. And one of the first things I did was bring in some of the more high-energy dances, which the younger people really loved. And I think that's why we appealed to them and and built up our base. And it wasn't just young people. We had a a great mixture of people as well. Um, I had another thought about what you were talking about. It went right out of my head, but maybe it'll pop back in later. Oh, well, go ahead. Uh, Another thing that um, I feel, and I'm going to say this and preface this, that this is probably not going to, make a lot of people happy with me saying this but i feel this younger generation this next generation wants to go right from being new to being the ones in charge they don't want to they they want to skip that level where they're the dancer they don't want to be the dancer they want to come in and instantly they want to be the person that has all the recognition up on the stage teaching running everything and i don't know if that's just with this generation or if it's because of social media they come in with this theory well i have this many followers i should be the one in charge unfortunately that's that shouldn't be how or not how it works you know and it i kind of get a giggle about this because every time someone gets advice and i'll say it 
the first advice everyone gives you is you got to put in your time. You got to put in your time. You got to put in your time. Okay, but then you watch someone else not put in their time and automatically get the instant recognition because you think that they have the look. And since this is not on video, you just saw I did air quotes and John is <laughs> giggling at me. They didn't put in their time. It, every situation is different. I get that. But I feel like that's a big problem with the, of why we don't see the next generation coming is, is that. All of a sudden, they want to be – if they can't be the ones – on stage in the middle of the, in the middle of the crowd, all eyes on them. They're either going to leave our circuit and leave all of our stuff and start their own, or not do it, mm. or just continue to go to bars and work on their social media following. Nothing against it. Not saying it's it's right, wrong, or indifferent. Right. I think that's honestly, you know, we were all young once. Agreed. <laughs> but I think that's part of youth. Like the, it's kind of like the. You know, when you're young, you think you're invincible and nothing can hurt you. But, I think that's part of that as well. It's like the cockiness. And I'm not saying this in a rude way, but, you know, the cockiness, the the like, we can do anything. Um, we want to change the world kind of approach. But nowhere, nowhere, and I'm, I'm going to butt in on this. I was young once. I was new to dancing. Never, ever did I walk in to a bar, to any place, to a dance event, to a convention, to a competition – thinking that I can be on that stage doing it better than the instructor mm. or the judge. That's my point. Right. And that and this generation yeah. kind of does. Right. And I get your point because um, I would never have thought to walk up to you when I first met you and say, you're doing this wrong. Right. Never in my life would I have ever <laughs> dreamed of that. Never would I have gone up to Scott Blevins or Rachel or Joe or any of them and say, um – you're doing this wrong. Right. This is not how you should. You should really work on this. <laughs> Never in my wildest dreams would I have ever have thought that. I don't do that today. And I've been around for 20 plus years. Yeah. It's a, you're right. It's a different, <laughs> it's a different time. Um, I remember when I started just even the first class I went to, um, I was 20, how old was I? 26, I think. First time I went. And I, like most new people, was intimidated. You know, people look at me now and they're like, oh, pfft. Right. But no, I was intimidated. I'm like, how are these the first thing you like? It's like, oh, my God, these people must have been dancing for 45 years. How do they know how to do all this stuff? Right. So to me, I've always been about staying humble and learning, being open to learning. Um, and I think, you know, I've met I'm going to I'm going to jump off on a little tangent here. So I did the um, South Bay Dance Fling a little earlier this year. I think it was Labor Day weekend. Yep. Um, out in California. And there were a nice crowd of, of younger dancers there, which was really cool. I love hanging out with younger people. I always say, like, I'm, I'm a little vampire, and I feed off of people's energy. And young people have lots of energy. So it was great. I had a really good time there. But it was really nice to hang out with them and talk to them, right? And so it was cool to hear some of the feedback from them about how they started dancing. Amazingly enough, several of the guys that were there who, like, are really, not that this matters, but it mattered to me. They're, like, really masculine dudes. They were in the armed forces, blah, blah. But they actually grew up dancing. They learned how to dance as kids. Um, and I think that gave them a better attitude coming into the line dance scene mm -hmm. um, to know that they don't know everything. And they're still, even though they have a dance background, you know, line dance is his own animal, and they were able to, to um, be open to learning all the aspects of it. Uh, and having fun with it and, and working their way into 
to um, understanding that this is a whole different scene from, let's say, the bar scene. Well, we're talking about conventions now, right? Because this is a different scene to come from a bar dance arena to a convention arena. They're two different things. Right. They can be related. Um, but then, you know, th- so part of, like, I'm, again, you know how my brain works. I'm jumping around all the time. But it just made me think about how Jen Cameron has the kids program at Fun in the Sun in yep. July. That's a cool way to, to get the kids interested in it. Um, and I've heard so many stories. I did um, uh, a, a class up in New York with Aaron Dritz. Mm-hmm. And one of the ladies there brought her granddaughter. And she said her granddaughter still talks about seeing me there teaching that night. Right. So it's a matter of knowing how to appeal not just to to college-age kids, but kids younger than that as well. Right. And how to get them involved. So – there's a lot of different there's a lot of different things that I think we tend to ignore once we become adults, mature adults. You know, we get stuck in our our um, ways of thinking and our ways of approaching things. And I'm a big believer in always being open and learning about what do the what do the young people want. So just the other day, this has nothing to do with dancing, but it's related. Um, the other day, I forget where I was, and somebody was asking, "Oh, at my booth? It was at my vendor booth." And they're like, "Well, I have grandchildren." One's 12 and one's whatever, um, 10 or something like that. And she's like, what do you think they would like? Because this person wanted to buy them presents for Christmas, for yep. jewelry. Like, well, what do kids wear these days? And I'm like, well, they're your grandkids. Don't you know what they like? <laughs> but that's part of what happens with dancing as well. You right. should be in touch with, like, what's the music that's popular now? What do the kids what, – what, or what do the younger people enjoy? Well, and the- try to figure that out and then, and then steer towards that. The other aspect, though, of, of what we really need to think about is – how do you get them there in the first place? How do you bring them in? How do you attract them, right? Because not everybody wants to go to a bar. We're talking like college-age kids, of course. You know, they're in school. It's a party atmosphere. It's, that's part of their, their time of life at that point. But how do you get other young people involved? So jumping off of that, when I taught at the Grizzly Rose and we had our Sunday family nights, um, we got the kids involved by having them do like we did little routines just for them, for the younger people, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of just keeping it to what the adults were learning, and they enjoyed it. And then, you know, a couple of them once they got old enough decided to, like I think Aaron was seventeen when he joined our our dance team, and then he ended up being a DJ for the club eventually when he was old enough. Um, just because we built that excitement and love of it, right, from them coming in. I feel, and this is the hardest thing is especially when you end up getting calls to do gigs for kids, the music these days, mm. having clean music and music that's uh-huh. appropriate because, and it's not just the, the word, the cuss words in it and the swearing and the bad language. It's the innuendo in the song, right? What? That's There's innuendos in songs. That, and that, it, I think that plays a lot into it. If you look at music mm. back in the nineties and the early two thousands, it wasn't as bad as it is now. Mm. It's way worse. And I will, I'll say the black sheep in the room. I think the biggest reason we don't have more younger kids is money. Straight up. I think how many kids in this I've I said this to many people and they're like, Oh, I wish we can, they'll be at a bar and it'll be ten o'clock at night and it'll be a packed floor. Oh, I wish we can get these at a dance event. And I go, It'll never happen. The reason being, it's a hundred and seventy nine dollar average to go to a dance convention. It's five dollars and below to go dancing. Right. At a bar. That's a good point. Guess guess, guess what the college kid is the, the broke kid's gonna pick. And and that's where it comes down to money. Money is the biggest thing. So do you think like a, a, a I don't even know how to say this right, but like a tiered pass. But 
would work. Well, you know, and here is the problem. You like, can't. You know, you know how like when you but, go somewhere and they have a discount for seniors or a discount for people in the armed services, or a discount for college kids? I don't know. Okay, but let me throw that out there now. Can, <laughs> this is where it's going to happen. Um, I know 45-year-old people in college. So just because you have a college ID doesn't make you a kid. Right. <laughs> and I think that's going to insult the people. And, and this is just me saying this. I know there's kids' passes. I know there's competitors' passes for all the different things. You're If you're at a normal social event where it's all social line dance, I'm not talking about a competition where there is competitors' fees. There's a, there's You get the kid fee like UCWDC does it. I'm talking about a normal social line dance. And you turn around and say a 19-year-old kid gets to pay half the price of a 45-year-old. You're going to lose the 45-year-old because they're going to be like, why am I paying twice as much to come do the same thing that 19-year-old mm. is doing? I understand you need to, we, we need to help the, the next generation. There's still got to be a way to make it fair across the board, right. though. So how do we bridge that gap? How do you – because I see your point. That Again, makes sense. my first word at the beginning of the podcast, pray. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not being can, can, it's, it's not being mean or nothing, but right. unfortunately – Events are out, and before anybody said this, events are out to make money. Guys, it is a business. It is ran to make money. If you think it's not, you're talking to the wrong event directors. Events are a business. It it just happens. It is what it is. We didn't start it. We're not the first ones that decided to make blind dancing a business, all the aspects of it. We just continued it. Other people started it many, many, many moons ago. Just ask them. They'll tell you. I started this. Trust me, we know plenty of people that will gladly turn around and say they have the longest standing event or they have the longest standing this or they've been around the longest and they've started this, 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 and this. Just talk to the right people. They'll gladly tell you about it. We didn't We didn't make this. We continued it, and that's right. a different podcast we talked about about whether events are cookie cutter or not that we are, we're going to record. It's, it's a situation nowadays where, unfortunately, every kid – thinks they're they should be like well i should be allowed in or i should be able to do this mm. that's why if you so, notice a lot of events yeah, the especially the one here in florida when we have a lot of younger crowd yeah. they only come at night mm. why because it's 20 bucks to get in yeah. on thursdays it's ten dollars right so but that you know that does make sense financially because if they can't afford it they can't afford it i mean you know i remember right. the days yeah so that's i agree the issue then is you know how number one how do you do like an outreach to people of a younger age um, so that they actually see it. So, and I'm going to, I'm going to go with uh, my story of, of where I started from. So the only reason I started line dancing is because a friend of my partner at the time had hurt. It was the nineties. So line dancing was huge. You know, it could break your heart. That was a bit, you know, so it was a big thing right then, 1993. And um, she wanted to go because this club had dancing on Wednesdays and she was a young single you know, woman. And part of the reason was to go to try to, you know, get some interest to meet people. Um, but the whole reason she wanted us to go with her, cause she didn't want, you know, to be a single woman by herself in a club. And it wasn't even that way back then. It was very, you know, it's amazing the difference now to look at clubs now. And like, you have to guard your drink. We didn't have to worry about that stuff back then. Right. Right. So really, and back then it was all a big pretty much a big family so everybody who went to the grizzly rose kind of knew each other we looked out for each other it was a different time but anyway she didn't want to go by herself right um i forgot where i was going with this story (laughs) um but oh how i got involved right so i said i don't really like country music but 
you know, I'm 26. It's a bar. I can go sit and have a drink while you enjoy your weird dance thing that you're going to do, right? But the thing was, I like music. And I like, I actually like dancing. I had no training in it. But just sitting there watching the lesson happening, I'm like, well, that kind of looks fun. And people were having, you know, people were obviously enjoying themselves, people of all ages. There was a great mix of people there, younger and older. It wasn't just older people. It was a great mix at that time because it was huge. It was a cultural phenomenon back then, right? Line dancing was sweeping the the nation and probably, I don't know if it was the world, but at least here in the States, it was huge back then. So just sitting there made me want to jump in. Like I looked at it. It looked fun. I had no experience doing any form of dance whatsoever. In camp when I was 19, I learned how to swing. And that was it. That was my only quote-unquote formal training. But it looked fun to me. So I'm like, well, let's do it. And the cool thing was I met people of my own age, my same age range, as I was doing it. So I developed a social circle there, right? I think that's part of it is having a social circle. Like, you know, it's not – I don't personally feel like it's that much fun to go to a bar to dance by yourself alone, right? Most people go. They meet up with friends, right? They hang out at the same table or they hang – whatever. They stand around in groups together because you're there with your friends, and that's part of the joy of it. So my my point there is, you know, getting – oh, that's what I was going to go in. I remember my train of thought now. So then somebody told me – there are these dance conventions that you can go to, and they do this all day. You have you can learn dances all day long and dance all night. And I'm like, well, that sounds cool because I really love this thing. Let's go try it out. First one I went to, of course, I felt like I didn't know anything. I was, you know, I'm like, I'm a bumbling idiot because, uh, you know, I back home and I was like, you're really good. You should compete. You should go to this convention and just, you know, take all the – and I was like – I suck. That was my first, you know, and the first worlds I went to was even worse. I didn't want to dance at all. I was 27, I think, by then. And I'm like, I suck. I don't know why they told me to come here. <laughs> I'm like the worst dancer in the world. But the bug was already there. Like, I'm like, I have got to try this because everybody made it look so fun, right? And everybody was so welcoming. That was my point. Everyone's so welcoming. So it was a, it was a gradual process of starting at the, just having someone drag me to a club. And then getting on the floor and then finding out there's another world out there. And I hear that a lot, Kelly. Even now, almost every weekend when I work a big convention, wherever it is, somebody comes up to me and typically it's a younger person, not always an older person. And they're like, this just blows my mind. I didn't even know this existed. I come from, you know, I dance at blah, 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 bar or club back home. And I had no idea this, this existed. And they're, but they're excited about it, right? But you're right. It does, it does take a financial investment. So kind of a catch-22. Once you discover it, right. how, how can you afford to keep going? It, he, here's another one that I, I will say, and this one makes it hard. A lot of the events will, will count on local instructors to bring in that, that, new fresh, that new fresh people. I have a couple issues with this. One – if you convince, say, say you put the local instructor on staff, thinking, oh, they're going to bring a lot of people, so you're going to have, a, they're going to bring a lot of their dancers, which are going to pay for weekend pass, pay, give you a hotel nights possibly, because they don't want to drive away. Because in case no one knows, we do drink at conventions; it does happen. <gasps> what? But then they get to the convention, and none of those people show up for the local instructor's classes. They all take everybody else. Local instructor has a lower numbers. Well, first of all, duh. Why is someone going to spend 180 bucks to take from the same person they're spending five bucks to eight bucks on to teach? 
That's number one. Number two, you then don't have them on staff. Why are they going to convince everyone to leave their classes for the weekend to go to this convention? Because then their bar is going to look empty with right, all right. the people who normally dance. Yes, I understand. Well, the bar can bring in more people. I get it. I do get it, guys. Trust me, I've worked in a bar. I know how the bar system works. Not every bar, not every not every situation is as easy as we have it here in Florida. I will be the first one to say we are very different and very privileged on the situations we have here in the state of Florida when it comes to line dancing and dancing in bars. A lot of our DJs are have a little bit more leniency. They get to play other music besides the country. So we get a lot of the convention dances at our bars. That's a big thing because all these people – you want to convince all these people to come to the conventions, but then they get home and have no place to go dancing. That's a hard one. You know, I, I remember this. And me and John talked about this. A lot of people got asked this weekend, you know, why are you all teaching such hard dances? Why aren't you teaching more of the improverish dances that we can actually take home and dance? You know, why are you teaching this? 147 count phrased advanced dance knowing we're never going to be able to do that at home because our one our bar place we go dancing won't play the music and two our dancers back home can't do dance it that that's a big thing that's that's a relative that's that's thing we here in orlando alone we have two bars that a lot of people go to cowboys orlando and the barn in sanford now the two bars can't play the same music I know for a fact that the one bar, Cowboys Orlando, won't even play a Reba McIntyre song because they don't consider that country enough. But yet then they'll turn around and play the song for Rude Dude, which is a straight-up hip-hop song. Right. So it, it, it's very odd, it, and we have very situations like that across the board. But a big thing is, though, both bars, and I'll be the first to say this, there's still a lot of convention-style dances that we can do. So people can go learn them at the convention and still do them on a weekly basis. Mm. That's huge. That's probably the biggest one of all. That makes it want to go and learn a convention dance. Because if it's just going to go learn a 32-count country dance, you know, your bar is going to teach that. Your local instructor, 98% chance they're going to teach that in the bar. It seems to me, and, you know, I could be off base here, but it seems to me from back when – when I started doing this and started traveling to conventions and still teaching at home at the club, right? One of the things that I did was uh, Scott Blevins had a great dance out called Swing Time Boogie, mm-hmm. which we learned at a, a couple conventions. Because at that time, that was hard. That was really hard. And you had to take it like a couple, two, three times to nail it, right? Right. And I thought, this dance is so cool. I want to bring it back home to the Grizzly Rose. It was a country song, definitely a swing song, right? Roger mm-hmm. Brown and Swing City was the name of the group. Or, um, and it was just so fun. It was. Right. It, it just was like everybody who saw it wanted to learn it. But I knew I couldn't teach it on a regular class night. It was impossible. There was no way I could do that in 20 minutes. Because typically when you're teaching a bar lesson, you want it to be short and punchy. you got people standing there drinking. They don't want to hear you yakking all night. You've right. got people who want to get on the floor who aren't line dancers. you got the couples that want a two-step. At least back then, we had, a, we had a great blend of pattern partner dancers, couples dancers, and line dancers. So the couples want to get out there and move around too. They don't want to sit all night, listen to you talk. So dances, classes had to be short and sweet and punchy, right? I knew that would never fly on a regular class night. So what I did was I set up a little mini workshop, like on a Saturday. 
And we ended up doing, I think it was four of them because people were like, this is so cool, but they couldn't get it the first the first right. time. So we ended up with, and the young people actually came and did it because, of course, what we did when we came back, my whole my whole dance team, we went out and did a demo of it one night. We're right. Like, we learned this cool dance this weekend. It's why you should go to these things. You'll learn these cool dances. But we showed it. We demoed it. And the crowd was like, that's amazing. But the people who thought it was too hard didn't come. But the people who thought that looked cool and wonderful and awesome came to the workshop not once not twice many of them came three times and sometimes i think we did a fourth class as well but it was a matter of again the energy level making it look appealing you know on my dance team we had people of all ages i had people as young as 16 17 right all the way up to people in their 50s so it was um it was part of the then a lot of those people were like, oh, these are the kinds of things you're learning at these conventions. Maybe we should go. It didn't really take away. I mean, it's a weekend. So, you know, because you brought up a very good point. You take people away from the club. Luckily, we had a good rapport with our with our bar. I think that's – and this is going off on a tangent. But I think it's really important if you're an instructor at a club, understand – as you said earlier, the bars, are, they're there to make money, right? right? And if you're not, as an instructor, contributing to that, why should they have you? Um, so one of the things that we did, we were very aware of working with the club to say, hey, we're all going, our dance team is going to this event this weekend, but what we're going to do is we're going to bring in an instructor, another instructor, local instructor, who actually worked at a different club, and we didn't have this rivalry thing going. They did. They thought, oh, we can't associate with them. But I'm like, hey, you're a great teacher. Why don't you come fill in for us that night? Because she didn't teach that night. Um, why don't you come fill in for us while we're gone to Nashville to go to this convention? Mm-hmm. And she did. And she had a great – for the people that didn't go, still had lesson, still had a great time. Um, but we made sure that it would work even when we weren't there. So right. good point about you know taking people away from the club. Find a way to still – we still worked with the club. And then we set up – we deliberately set up workshops at the bar to bring money into the club. So that they were cool with us, you know, taking a bunch of people away on a weekend. So yeah. that kind of was a tangent, but now, no, well, no, I'm glad you brought that up. You brought up the workshops at a bar thing, which are big here. But from what I've noticed, me and Trevor have one. You work the same one at the same bar at a different time of year, the Barnanza. Um, I don't, I can't speak for the Dallas Bowl because I, I haven't been to one of theirs in years. But what I've noticed, and this is just me noticing this. It doesn't change. The people, the young, they're mm. a third of the price, at, at best a third of the price, uh, to go do a day full of dancing. You usually get free into the club. You get into the club free that night. Some kind of lunch is included. And, and the young kids still don't come. Mm. And they still don't. You, right. you still see them at night at the bar. Yeah. So but, I'm going to jump on that because I did a workshop at, oh, crap, I can't think of the name of it. It's on the other side of the state. Is it the ranch? The one in Fort Myers? Yes. Yes, the, the ranch. ranch. Okay. Yep. So I did a workshop there. Mike Kruger is one of the instructors, a younger yep. Yep, younger person who teaches and has a great following. So that workshop, we did get a good number. It was a good mix, but there were a number of the younger people as well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall back on saying I think, uh, honestly, a lot of it has to do with who teaches there, who's who, who can the people relate to. So if you have a younger instructor – it doesn't. Sorry, Mike, if you're listening, if you listen to this, but it doesn't help or doesn't hurt if they're decent looking. That kind of helps. But, but also, I'm gonna jump off on another tangent. Sorry, my brain, squirrel brain. Um, Mike has 
competed a little bit, right? Correct. And he's trying, to, I think, trying to get some feedback on how to actually be a better dancer. And I'm not slamming him, right? right. But one of the things I notice when I travel, and having taught at many clubs around this nation, is that sometimes you have, and this was true of me as well. That's, so I'm, I know where I speak, right? This was true of me as well. When I first started line dancing and first started teaching, I didn't know anything about teaching. I didn't know anything about how to dance. Well, a little bit, but I wasn't trained in it, right? So I think it's super important, even as a young person, do if you start this this path, which you've, we've touched on earlier, whether it's just to teach at your local bar or you decide to become a choreographer or you decide you want to be a teacher on the, the convention circuit. Mm-hmm. It's important to continue to improve yourself and to learn and grow, both as a dancer and a teacher. But, so. Okay, so I'll use the barn in Sanford as an example here because you do a workshop there every August, the Barnanza, hosted by Janice Graves, which is one of the th- four instructors at the barn. Usually she brings in at the beginning, it was you and Junior. So And Janice is great, by the way. I love her. Yeah, Janice is awesome. <laughs> um, then she switched to when Junior retired, you and Brandon Zahorsky. The year Brandy came, Rob Holly. So it's not like she didn't bring in people that, one, aren't energetic. I think. Right, right. Trevor and I just started one last year at the same location in May. Trevor is one of the four full-time instructors there. Right. He teaches two nights a week. We brought in Guyton Monday as our third person, the three of us. Again, though, and I'll say this because I've been to the Barnanza multiple times. They're all old. But most of it are not are not the local – Bar attendees. We had a, right. we had maybe three that were just people who normally would be at the bar. Normally, were people from across the state, even out of state, that will come down for the weekend, right? And 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 do these things. That's, it, I don't know if that's an anomaly or yeah. what, but that's. We used it as a theory because I watched at the barn. Most people were not. There was a couple from Orlando that came, out of the hundred or ninety to hundred or so. I would say at at the Barnanza. 15-ish out of the 90, 100. Everyone else out of drove, right. drove in hours. Right. So, Same thing with what me and Trevor did when we had Guyton. We had 10 to 15 locals that came. Then everyone else drove from across the state for right. hours. Because well, Guyton's an icon. Of course they would. <laughs> but I think no matter – I don't think no matter who we have, and um, yeah. I'll go ahead and say it at the time of this recording, this past weekend we just did Florida Line Dance Classic. Trevor and I um, finalized the instructors – um, Kelly, myself, Trevor, and Bree are putting on the event again, May twentieth, and we're bringing in Dustin Betts and Rob Holly to join us. So we're bringing in two. I think we're I think we're going to have the same issue. I do. Yeah, I think the same just, thing's going to happen. Yeah. This thought. Sorry. This pop. This just popped into my head. Do you think it would make any difference, impact wise, to appeal to the younger people if those types of things were promoted? Let's say, like on TikTok, which is like the thing now. Yeah. Right? And and. Because because we we went from oh it's just enough to put a flyer out that's not enough anymore to social media with things like Facebook but are young people on Facebook the the majority of research shows now like TikTok is the thing right? correct TikTok Instagram right. stuff like that and I wonder if we do like Trevor's on TikTok a lot I've started getting TikTok we're both pretty heavily on Instagram I still don't think it's going to matter why I think it comes down to their mindset is, why am I going to pay six, fifty, sixty, seventy dollars for this? So it's a matter of. I think that's I honestly yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just my yeah. opinion. Right, and remember, I come from an advertising marketing background. Right, so it's a matter of proving the value to them. What what are they going to get out of it? Right, what what if they pay for that? 
what's the reward to them? What what well, wonderful, amazing transformation is going to happen? You know what I mean? I, I don't people, I don't think that's the matter because and I don't know if you read this. I read it. Aaron Dritz just made a big post mm-hmm. about his yep. class. Oh yeah. They it comes down to it comes down to someone didn't want to spend ten dollars for the dance. They just they snuck the in to take the class. But those same people are spending three, four hundred dollars on Morgan Wallen tickets. Right. That's what it comes down to. I yeah. think, and I, I think that's what, the priorities. Yeah. I don't think line dancing and taking lessons are ever going to be that. Right. Well, for some, yes, yeah. but and for we, the majority, you know, this isn't new. No, we went through the same thing back in the nineties. We correct. Uh, we charged three dollars, and people refused to pay the three dollars. Yep. <laughs> so that's not a new thing. Um, so, but it's it's also what I'm saying is it's a matter of perceived value. So for them, a Morgan Wallet, Mark bleh, Morgan Wallen concert or a Taylor Swift concert, whoever, that has more va- that has more meaning to them for some reason, right? So, and I get it because part of it is the fact that I think maybe is the fact that it is most line dancing for younger people is done at bars. A bar, it's you know like okay, look, to me, I'm just going to say from my perspective because I go to bars all over the place right a bar to me is not like a high quality experience usually correct you, I'll give you that. i'm not not slamming bars but i'm just saying like if i want a high quality experience i'm gonna go to somewhere else that's maybe a little more what's the right word sophisticated if you will so for example if you and i want to go sit and have a bourbon and chat and have a good conversation. We're not going to do it at a country bar. We're going right. to go to like a bourbon bar or Correct. a restaurant, a, be- a better restaurant but, where you can sit and have a nice. But do you think 25, yelling. 25, 30 years ago we would cared about that? I don't think so. Right. I think when we, right. you and I both time. though, it, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. both just, and I, us in our twenties. Yeah. We want the cheapest drink possible. Exactly. We right. want to back be then, able to buy as many exactly. of them as possible. <laughs> You're exactly right because back then I drank <laughs> rum and coke. <laughs> And my tastes have matured and changed over time. Granted, so back then it was 25 right. cent long necks on Thursday night at the barn. Yes, Granted, yeah, do yeah. I still drink long necks? Absolutely. Right. Am I willing to pay the three fifty for them now or $7 depending on what state I'm in? Oh, yes. Right. I will still do it. That's not right. a problem. But that back then, that wasn't our mentality. Yeah. We went on the cheapest night of the week with yep. the cheapest drinks. That's why yeah. college nights are usually but, the cheapest. But yes, you're, and you're exactly right. I'm not arguing that point. But um, I do think it could be the mindset. I do think that has a lot to do with it because even when I was younger and didn't have uh, tons of money to throw around and I don't have tons – let's get this clear. I don't have tons of money to throw around now either. But back then I knew – I knew inherently like if I went to a bar mm-hmm. to take a class or a workshop or whatever the hell it was, that that wouldn't be happening if that venue wasn't there. So I always made sure to, to actually buy drinks at the bar. I didn't smuggle in my own water bottle and go fill it up in the bathroom, which right. people did back then. They and, still no, they still do that. They, they, <laughs> I, they are still they still right. do that religiously we, everywhere. And this was before I even became the instructor there, right? So um, I think it's a, it, might, uh, it might have to do with mindset. On your, mindset. but on your on your on that on that note on that and the way you're saying the whole sophistication thing. Wouldn't it make sense though that we didn't have the older crowd because they're the ones now that are most more sophisticated and want the better experiences? But yet, if you look at who we got attending, it's the older crowd that are willing to drive the three hours and come hang out at a bar with all of us. Right. It, 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 it's true, but you know what I mean. I, I what? get what you mean, but yeah, it so, almost should be flipped. Yes, it almost should be flipped on that aspect. I see your point. Yeah, but, but it's what, not unfortunately. Right. We see that we we see that every time we we book them. Yes. So my question is, what makes what 
factors, what aspects of, let's say, a Morgan Wallen concert make mm-hmm. that more appealing, even though it's 70,000 times more expensive? The fact that it's Morgan Wallen. Well, but Same thing with it, Taylor Swift. Taylor right. Swift tickets went for average of $1,200. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's because but it was why? Taylor Swift. Why? But do you know what? And, and, and just hear me out for a quick second because um, now that I'm composing music as well, mm-hmm. um, I've always been really fascinated with the whole music industry anyway. Right. But the thing is we – and I'm saying, I'm saying humanity in general. We put whoever it is on a pedestal. Correct. Whether it's a music star, a sports star – an act, a movie star, whatever. And they're just people. They're just people like us. Um, so I find it fascinating, utterly fascinating how, like, I won't pay that much money to go see anybody. I just no, won't. Absolutely not. I mean, I saw Garth Brooks because my dance partner was in love with him and wanted to see him in concert. And at that time, the ticket was mm, 100 and some dollar. I can't remember which. And we were way up in the nosebleed seats. You, he, Kelly, he looked like, Mm-hmm. I could cover him up with my pinky. He was so small on stage. But she wanted to see him, right? So we went together. I would not have paid that. I just, it's it's not a, um, I, I don't really, so part of my brain goes, the in-person experience to me is more valuable. Like if I get to sit and know you, right? whatever whatever you're, whatever we're talking about, whether it's line I, dancing or music or I, your podcast or, or, right. or videos or whatever. I find it funny that you use Garth Brooks as a reference here because right now it's in the hype because a lot of people are posted because they're trying to use his music and they right, can't, can't get it get anywhere. Downloads, yeah. But if you look at – and this is the thing. In, in the last eight years, I've seen Garth Brooks twice live. And the reason being is when he decided to come back on tour, he left the industry for years. He left touring for years. He wanted to watch his kids grow up. When him and Trish Yearwood decided to come back on tour – they did one thing that was absolutely amazing, and this is how I was able to afford to see him not once but twice. Every ticket that went on sale, every ticket in the stadium and, and everything, regardless if it was the first row or the top row, was the same price of $75. Mm-hmm. Regardless if you're sitting five feet from him or 500 rows up in the nosebleeds, he put the same price. It was a lottery. You literally went in. And it was literally first come. Whoever got in there quicker got the be- the option to buy better seats. I remember at the Florida Lions Classic before it was that when we were still in Tampa. We were sitting at the registration booth. The morning they went on sale, and Jen Kelly, me, myself, a couple other people. We had like six of us. We had six devices going to see who was going to get in the quickest to get these tickets because right. we saw them up in Jacksonville. Thing, and then me and Jen lucked out. We saw them in our hometown down in Plantation at the BB&T Center when it was where the Florida Panthers play on our birthday. Jen, Jen and I have the same birthday, January 15th, and we lucked out. We got to see Garth Brooks with 15 of our closest friends. Rachel was there with Paul, all of us, on our birthday in our hometown. Not many people can say that's an experience, and we only had to pay the $75 for it. Mm. So my question is, and this is just me being me, <laughs> now that we're sitting there talking about how to get more young people, do we <laughs> – if you look at the the biggest difference in events and why people choose events, a lot of it has to do with the price, the city, how much this, how much it costs to go to the city. The question is how, and I guess this is a question for event directors: is if that's who you really want. And I know this besides the point because I know a lot of, a lot of events don't want the younger people. They rather say, "Give us the older people" because they want the people that have been around and the experience. But how do we make it more affordable? 
Exactly. And, and your, your whole story about the tickets, because I love the concert. I'm not right. saying – I'm sorry I went. Of Would course. I have spent $600 to go? No, Nope, exactly. not a chance. Um, Why when I can spend 600 bucks, get on a plane, and fly halfway across the world? Right. Um, that's just a no-brainer. You're absolutely right, and that's what's, what's at the top of my mind when you said that about the tickets being all the same price, is that when it comes to the conventions – that's why I said earlier, and maybe that wasn't the right approach to take about you know having a different tier, but – I'm thinking, and I know, you know, hello, I run, I've run events, right? Um, I know what it costs, but how can we make it so that, you know, let's say even just for a day, right? You could get them in. Let's say that you just give them a Saturday pass. That's more reasonable. But again, I think it's, it's a matter of finding that value. Like mm -hmm. why would, what would, insp I'd love to hear from like younger people. If any, any of you listen to this um, or follow us on social media, like what, what, inspires you what motivates you what makes you want to go to that right tell us let us know because i'm really curious to find out um what would entice you to be there and make it worth your while so even if you just right. go for a day let's say you just go on saturday and let's say it's only 40 bucks to go all day and all night that to me seems very reasonable for a whole day of entertainment um but what would what would completely compel you to want to do it Right, where you're like, oh my god, I have to go. This is going to be like so fun, and all my peeps will be there, and it's going to be a blast. What are the factors that would would impact that to to make it that appealing, where you'd be like, hey, it's worth the forty bucks to go. Right, and uh, I'm hoping that we see a better answer because, and I'll give credit where credits due. You know, you see this other the new generation that are starting that events that are just nothing but country bar and swing comps, and it works for them. But the question – my biggest thing, and I've said this to people, is what's going to happen when, one, that fad of country swing again goes away? Don't, the, the, the fad, I, I don't want to call it a fad, but that's really what it is because a lot of people – it was around back in the day. That's not a new phenomenon. It was here. It went away and was back again. Um, two, what's going to happen when all those people that are going, the hundreds of people that are going to this outgrow that mm. because they eventually will – but the question is, will they want to learn and they, will they want to evolve what they yeah. do next? I and think you, you have that in every situation, Kelly, though, because when I first started dancing, like I said, started at a bar, didn't have any experience, was fascinated by the whole thing. And I, I wanted to learn more. I was like, there's got – so when somebody told me about a convention, I'm like, cool, I want to go check this out. When somebody told me about the, there's a world championship, I'm like, oh, my God, what's that? I need to go. So you're going to have the people that – Love it so much they're going to want to pursue it further, which is I think what we're seeing now a little bit with some of the up-and-coming choreographers. You have people that are actually invested in learning more about it and learning to get better. Yeah, but they also got to be given the opportunity. Correct. Because, you know, if they're supposed to be the next generation, and this is this is another big thing, that reason why we don't get young people to stick around. You know, they just get thrown to the website for years and years and years and years and years, and then they'll be like, oh, now it's might be your time. You know, I'm going to give credit straight up. Boston Showdown at the last one this past March, Jen Cameron had 14 instructors. Seven of the 14 instructors were current or former competitors of the USLDCC, amateur choreographers. This just past weekend at Florida Linus Classic, there was 15 instructors on staff. I think there was seven again, if I'm not mistaken. You had Cody Flowers, Trevor Thornton, Rob Holly, Dustin Betts, Chris Jocks, myself, and... Um, thought there was one more i think you're right but i can't think of yeah I, I i i'm oh bradley mather oh, there yeah, was there seven i'm like yep. there was seven of us again seven out of the 15 seven out of the 15 instructors were 
former competitors of the U.S. LDCCC. That's just just under half. Literally, the only people not that didn't go through the U.S. LDCCC that were on staff were Roy and Fiona. Mr. Showcase is sitting next to me himself, John Robinson, Rachel McEnany White, Jamie Marshall, Scott Blevins, and Larry Bass. All the old folks. <laughs> oh, and Brandon's a horse geek. Brandon's a horse oh, geek. and there's a young one. Brandon, Good, there's but, a young one in there. But eight, so there's your mix. So yeah. what's yeah, yeah, that yeah. tell you? You know, give us a chance, you know. and it, But if you look at the seven of us that, that were on staff, none of us were just overnight. None of us just came out of the war works. All of us right. have been around right. this industry for a very long time, and we decided to make it. You know, I'm out of that group of the seven. I'm the oldest at 42. Okay. I am the old guy in that group at 42. Everybody else, I think Trevor's the next oldest at like 30 something. All the rest are in their late 20s, early 30s of that of that group that I'm discussing that were former competitors. It, that says something right there. None of us were just a flash in the pants, came unseen overnight. Yeah. We are around dance conventions. We are around it for a very long time. Dustin has been around it since he was a kid with his parents. Cody was been around for years. He was there when Will started the event and was at everyone at Big Bang. You know, Trevor has been teaching at the barn for over 10 years now. He's been around this industry. I've been going to dance events for 20 years. That right there alone, just in that. Yeah. So if you talk to many of the people who, um, have come up, let's say, overseas, less European especially. Right. They'll tell you, because I I'm fascinated by people's stories, and I say, well, how did you, when and how did you start line dancing? And a lot of them have said to me, and even people here in the states, but it seems more common over there. They're like, well, my mom dragged me to a class when I was seven, and I was like, I didn't want to go, but she's and I'm talking to like a, a male kid. They're like, mm-hmm. well, there'll be girls there, and of course, they're like, ooh, right? <laughs> yep. So, so the motive there was, but that's what I mean. There was a motivation. It wasn't the dancing. There was a motivation. There was a motivation behind it. Yes, yep. but then you get addicted because it's really fun. I mean, if it's your thing, some people won't like it, but yeah. for the most part, I mean, why do we still do it now when we started eons ago? Because it's fun. It's we meet cool people. It's like I said, there's a social circle. You get to hang out, doing something that you love together. All the time, right. um, and taking it to a new level. Also, it's not just the same, same, same thing all the time. It's like, ooh, we get to learn new stuff. You know, we get to travel to new places. Blah blah. There's a lot of factors involved in in making it continually appealing, or we wouldn't stay in it as long as we do. Correct. Right? A- absolutely. So, and it, but it all starts somewhere way back when. Um, and I think I don't know if we've actually come up with any specific answers, but I would love to hear from, let's say, like. Um, Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barsulia, um, who have taught, I think they have taught, um, I can't remember if it's them or somebody else, but have done classes like on a college campus out there in California. Like, yep. do they get a good turnout? If yes, what factors do they think contributes to that? And if not, why do they think, th- why not, right? right. Um, I'd be curious to hear from people who have, I'm serious, folks, if you're listening to this, I really... I like to hear these stories. I want to know, like, if you do have a large young crowd, you know, what what motivates them to keep coming back? What motivate, motivates them to yes, bring exactly. other people? Because a lot of what we do, honestly, I feel, is word of mouth. Somebody tells somebody else. That's how I heard about the whole convention circuit, right? I didn't wouldn't yep. have gone to a country bar if this girl hadn't said, hey, come with me. It's ladies' night. I want to go by myself. And I'm like, well, I'll go just because it's a bar and I can drink while you dance. But – 
it was somebody told me somebody told me about it i wouldn't have gone by myself just because right. right so i think a lot of it has to do and nowadays honestly i feel like a lot of it can be driven or um augmented by using social media like get on the right platforms and get it out there because where, where do these these viral tiktok dance moments come from right a lot of younger people are doing it. Of course, you have older people doing it as well. But it becomes a cultural phenomenon, usually right. because the young people latch on to it and go, Oh, this thing is so cool. Let's do shivers around the entire universe <laughs> and teach couples dancers as well as line dancers to do it. it right? It's Young, true. old, everybody can enjoy it. It's true. But there's, a, there's something about it. Again, I'm going to jump back to this. Coming from my advertising <laughs> marketing background, what is it? Why do you like, let's say, because I'm looking around Kelly's office. Why do you like the Riddler? Why do you like these pop things? <laughs> Whatever they're called. Um, why do I like... He's returning to Funko Pops. <laughs> That's have, it. Yeah. There's I like have the... <laughs> shelves and shelves. <laughs> Kelly and I collect the Funko Pops. And I'm a big comic book guy. And I own a lot of Riddler. Right. But there's a reason. There's something Stuff. about it that appeals. You re it resonates with you somehow. Is my point, right? Yes, absolutely. So for the younger generation, it's got to resonate somehow. It's got to be so compelling that they they want to do it, right? Correct. That's that's what we need to figure out and and appeal to that. Like what they're just like, oh, I have to go because it's gonna it's gonna make me feel good on the inside for whatever reason, right? right? So and they're gonna it'll be uplifting and it, it gives them a feeling of like. I want to do this, not a hat like, oh, it's Wednesday. I should go. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Oh, I have to go. Because now some of us older people are like, ah, it's Wednesday. It's class. Do I really want to go or not? Right. It's yeah. lost some of the, the appeal, the re the thing that resonates within you, like for me right now. Not agreed. I, yeah. I get that. So, but that's what we need to figure out is like what with the younger crowd, the younger generation is going to be that appealing factor that will, will snag them and then keep them and inspire them to grow. Right. And if guys, if you have any feedback on how to. Any kind of input on how to get the next generation involved, please drop us a line. We'll gladly do another podcast on this. We'll do a sequel. And if you have any of the stories, sequel, like John says, <laughs> if you have any stories on what you do to get the younger crowd, if you guys do, please drop us a line on Facebook, on email, anything. Let us know. Give us some feedback on this. So, yeah. And I'm just very quickly going to touch back on examples that I said earlier, like Brandon with his younger crowd up there, right? He's bringing them stuff, music they can relate to, dances that aren't super complicated that he can teach in like 20 minutes, but are really fun, fun to do and fun to watch, right? And his floor is packed, right? Yeah. So, so, well, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode on how we um, possibly can get the next generation involved. I know I always like talking about crazy topics like this. So, uh, until next time, I'm Kelly Cavallero. And I'm John Robinson, also known as Mr. Showcase. And uh, until the next conversation, see ya.